and welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back to preview game week 12 as we hurtle towards the festive fixtures. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined as ever by a man that's on two podcasts, whereas I'm only on one. It's Andy Case. Andy, would you like to give the listeners a little bit of a rundown on why you're so popular and appearing on so many pods nowadays? Well, um, more, my uh, the way my this is genuine. The way my girlfriend described it is that because I have a face for radio, so this is the woman that wants to marry me, and that's what that's the reason she said um, I'm on t- I'm on uh, two two podcasts. So thanks very much for that. Um, and the real reason, I guess, is just because I've got a you know lovely silky tone. What can I say? It's all about that silky tone. But you say the face for radio. You did have you have appeared on television before, um, doing some 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 sort of NFL, you know, best bets for for Super Bowl like forty eight was it back in the day? I can't remember which one it was now. Forty eight rings a bell, maybe yeah. But anyway, when did this turn into my like a, to a job interview for me or like a rundown of my CV? Absolutely not at all. But there is a segue that I that I was was going to go into. Um, talking of NFL and obviously we're doing a fantasy podcast after like six or seven years of of trying. I finally had some fantasy football success this weekend because I won my, the regular season in my NFL fantasy league. Oh, good. Well, yeah. may, maybe you should start an, the NFL uh, fantasy lounge um, because uh, your yours and my tips for this season haven't necessarily been that successful. I mean, ultimately, I think I feel like if if my NFL fantasy success is anything to go by in six years, maybe we'll have a good podcast which is something to go off. But at the same time, I think you know, we both know that, that our tips this year haven't been too bad, but we just haven't always followed them. And that's been half the problem. Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I'd use the example of my sister. So I'm thinking we might be able to get her as a guest actually on the pod at, at some point. You know, I think it would be useful for us to have a backup, you know, if one of us ever has a sore throat or whatever anyway. But um, she she has been listening every week and has been using some of our tips. Although, you know, I know she'll listen to this and and definitely rail against that idea and say that a lot of it is her own thinking as well, which it probably is. But she's she certainly used our, our our thoughts a bit to help her. And she's got 100 points more than me and you. And like she's in the top 200,000 in the world at the moment. So, yeah, it's yeah, possible. I have to say, um, you know, peek behind the the, the curtain to, into your two your two hosts life i i don't have any siblings i'm an only child so i find andy's competitiveness with his sister quite baffling but i'm led to believe that this is what normal siblings behave like um but i just assume that when you got to like andy's age and and, and his sister's age you kind of grew out of that but this well this isn't just competitive so. this isn't just competitiveness with my sister though this is a mini league that's got uh, my dad in it my aunt my uncle it's like a whole family thing proper FPL family I think actually one of the ways that that, that when when Andy and I was first starting you know, thinking about doing this podcast you were saying that, that some of your family because you know they, they're retired they don't work they spend a lot of time thinking about FPL and you were like well I've got to get ahead of them because I'm the football fan and <laughs> that's kind of led us led us here yeah they know exactly yeah I mean you know competition can be healthy can't it, it can drive some positive outcomes as well yeah, I think um, my mini league is getting getting quite competitive this year, and and you know my current position is is shameful uh, for for me. So so yeah, you know, we've got to start heeding some of our own advice this week. And speaking of which, we've got plenty of advice uh, to get through in in our game week twelve preview. As ever on these shows, we will run down the week's fixtures by, and then we'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points. But I don't think there's loads to go through. And um, we've got a few interesting players on the radar, perhaps some cheap players uh, to allow. FPL managers to to get some of the sort of bigger hitters into their teams. We've got a swimming against the tide this week, and then we'll finish off with our captaincy picks and our who the heck is stat. So let's kick off by running down those those fixtures, starting with your FPL deadline, which is this Friday at 6.30 before Leeds versus West Ham on Friday evening. Then on Saturday, Wolves Villa is the Midlands derby in the lunchtime kickoff followed by Newcastle, West Brom, then a big Manchester derby with Man United, Man City, followed by Everton, Chelsea on Saturday night. 
Then moving on to Sunday, which all the remaining games are on Sunday because there is, and this is the first shout for this, which I'm sure you'll hear more about, but there is another FPL game week in midweek next week. So that means that they have to get all the fixtures done by Sunday night. They can't have anyone playing on Monday because the next FPL game week starts on Tuesday. So the final five fixtures all on Sunday, Southampton versus Sheffield United, Crystal Palace versus Spurs, Fulham versus Liverpool, Arsenal versus Burnley, and finally Leicester versus Brighton. So maybe that's a good place to start then, Andy, with us kind of having a bit of a chat about, you know, the FPL fixture congestion or the Premier League fixture congestion and the impact that that has on FPL. Um, I think, I guess, you know, we've spoken at length about some of the, um, you know, the impact the midweek fixtures have had on on the teams in Europe. But I guess we're going to start to see that for the other sort of 13, 14 teams in the Premier League now. Do you think there is going to be a lot of impact, <clears throat> excuse me, perhaps on, on, on these ge- on, on this game week in particular? But obviously, you know, looking ahead, I think we're trying to cram like six or seven game weeks into a quite short space of time. So do you think we'll perhaps see it in, you know, in game week 12 and 13? Or do you think it might be a bit more elongated than, than some of the other the players that FPL managers might have in their teams from those clubs that aren't in Europe? Do you think that perhaps won't be a case this time round, but might be something to think about come Boxing Day and New Year's Day, et cetera, et cetera? Well, yeah. So, I mean, you'd expect rotation for everyone come those festive fixtures, because as you know, like any, any normal year, there's a, there's a lot of fixtures in a short amount of time. But we alluded to it slightly on, on the review show uh, last week that, um, yeah, that this upcoming sort of um, midweek uh, FPL um, sort of game week for a lot of teams. It'll be the first time they've played um, midweek Premier League games. There's been a few cup games, but a lot, you know, teams often rest players in those games anyway. So kind of midweek games at which they'd actually want to have their their sort of first choice eleven out. Um, and I think it will. It has the it has the um, the chance to impact on on rotation and on team selection here definitely because you know there you can you can imagine sort of if i don't know if this is happening but let's say like a west brom have got a chelsea uh in one of the fixtures and like they maybe play fulham or sheffield united or something in one of the others uh you you think they're gonna maybe if they have to make a choice they might just rest players for the game that that you know the chelsea game in that instance that they would have less chance in any way and make sure they're trying to have their best team out against the kind of to maximize against their their sort of relegation rivals um so yeah, that, that that could then, if it if it so works out that for any t- any team, you know, their harder fixture is the first one, the one coming up in this game week, you could see some of the um, some of those players being being rested, perhaps. Yeah, so I think I think that probably influences slightly at least some of our players on the radar, both in terms of uh, their fixtures that they've got coming up. I, I I think it's unlikely with, I guess, fixtures packed into such a short space of time. Um, you know, we're looking at you know, six, maybe seven FPL matches over the next over the next sort of, you know, calendar month up until, you know, I guess, I think it's around the 12th of, uh, of Jan, there's going to be seven game weeks. Um, so, you, you know, it's unlikely that um, any team is going to have like an especially good run or an especially bad run in that time, just by the sheer number of matches that, 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 that they're likely to have. But, but we have picked out a few players on our radar that, that you know, might have some good spells or, you know, some better kind of um, run-ins over that time. But equally, you know, it's trying to think about what players are going to be rotation-proof, as rotation-proof as they can possibly be. And 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 I think we've picked out a few cheaper options here that might enable FPL managers to get some of those sort of heavy hitters, some of those more expensive assets into their team that are, in theory, a little bit more rotation-proof. So let's maybe start with, with some strikers. Um and let's start with Callum Wilson. I mean, he in particular, I think, you know, of, of his next six, has three very nice fixtures and three perhaps not so nice fixtures. Um, and they come in that kind of order as well. He's got, he, he kicks off with, with three easy ones and then th- follows up with three more difficult ones. I guess we would expect if he's fit to, to start the majority of those games anyway, Newcastle don't have loads of attacking options. So um, he looks like a, a pretty good pick and isn't that expensive. Yeah, so I guess I'd start this with everything we almost we almost say this on every show on every player, but team news is going to be interesting here because obviously we you know there was a few there's a suspicion that there's a few COVID cases at Newcastle, which is why their game was cancelled last week, and I think we've seen uh, I saw some stuff on Twitter about Callum Wilson maybe on his Instagram or something you know looking like he was training and 
we think he hasn't isn't one of those people but it's gonna it's gonna be important to listen to the press conferences just to kind of check that but that aside you know if he does turn out that it looks like he is playing yeah he Chris and I discuss these before the show sometimes and I, I kind of it starts off for me obviously looking at the fixtures and things but also thinking about who am I actually thinking about in my team as well um and it, Wilson's the absolute standout person for me this week he's one of the I'm considering rolling my transfer, but he's probably the only one I think this week maybe that I would be looking at, um, you know, using my transfer for. He's the he's the tempting one for me, and particularly using it if I'm going to use it, it now is the time to do it, as Chris kind of alluded to, because his next three games are West Brom, Leeds, and Fulham. They are the three teams who've conceded the most chances this season, the most expected goals conceded um, by any three defenses. It's those three teams, West Brom. Um, Leeds and Fulham so you couldn't ask you literally couldn't design a better three consecutive fixtures for a striker let alone a striker who's in form like Callum Wilson Um, you know despite having missed that game week last week he's still fifth in all in total points for all strikers second in value only behind Patrick Bamford so you know points per million he's the second most valuable striker in the entire game so you know plenty of chances he's, he's had he's on penalties for Newcastle it, it, it's just a, a standout great choice. Um, again, as Chris alluded to, his, the fixtures do change after that. Man City away, Liverpool at home, Leicester at home the next three. So Wilson's probably not one you would necessarily look to for the long term. Um, but the, these next three look great. And if you're thinking about getting him in for any of them, now is the time to do it so that you kind of try, you benefit um, from, from the most uh, juicy fixtures possible, I suppose. I mean, I guess just one, one, one quick thing, maybe to to slightly contradict you in terms of the um, the, you know, the fixtures he's got after these the, these good three. Um, you know, we're at his price point, which is about six point six million, and I'm sure you know, if he has a good game week this week, that might shoot up quite quickly. Does it matter if he doesn't return masses against Man City, Liverpool, unless is he still worth kind of having? Or are you? I mean, I guess you're not expecting a return from him every week. You, you, like you say, he's the he's the second most valuable striker, um, you know, for a reason, partly because of his price. But um, but but yeah, you know, it, it, I, I guess does it matter you know, if if a manager is to get him into the next three, would they look to ship him out for the following three, or or is it worth kind of holding on to him because of his price? Would you say? It's going to be an interesting one. It's going to depend on people's team structures and stuff. One, one thing, and this is going to become a bit of a common theme of our of our podcast, uh, this episode today, at least. Um, but it, it obviously does enable you, the, the money you'd have left, rather than having that invested in like a Werner or even a DCL or a Vardy or an Aguero or a Kane. It gives you two or three extra million, doesn't it, to invest in... Uh, elsewhere and we've spoken about um you, you know we spoke about in last week's show how city are kind of coming back on form and obviously a lot of people getting de bruyne in ahead of city's fixture against fulham last week and they've got decent ones coming up again after this united game this week so lots of people thinking about him and if you're trying to get in multiple you might have salah and son as well freeing up that money from your forward line could could, could be a really helpful thing i guess it's worth at this point sort of saying as well that um you know that like I mentioned there's going to be a few players we're going to mention on the radar here that are kind of in that lower price range and that is that wasn't necessarily at first deliberately by design but it's um because we're you know we could say Kevin De Bruyne is on the radar but I we there's a little bit of we don't want to kind of state the obvious here we don't want to say something you're probably any thinking about anyway how useful is that to you as a listener I suppose I mean let us know. You can find us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge. But if, you, if you'd rather hear those, those straightforward things as well, then then fine, kind of fair enough. But we're trying to kind of give you <clears throat> some different options. And it just so happens that this week, a lot of these, um, including Callum Wilson, w- would allow you to free up money to, to focus elsewhere on the Sons and the KDBs and the Salas and whoever else. I mean, I think... I think you know the biggest um, sort of feather in in Callum Wilson's hat for me is the fact that you know you as a guy that I know from 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 you know, previous seasons talking about FPL you do quite like rolling your free transfer but you're considering not doing that this week for him and I think you know, that to me speaks speaks volumes. Um, let's move on to another another striker another another England international although I'm sure Callum Wilson's prospects of a future cap are a little bit higher than this guy's um, in Danny Welbeck who we did actually speak about a few weeks ago. And I was like, there's absolutely no way this guy's going on my radar, like not in a million years. Um, but 
he has to kind of sneak in partly because of our conversation in general, you know, trying to get maybe some cheaper players in that do have some good FPL upside to enable you to, to, to bring in, you know, you, you, some of you, some of some of the sort of bigger hitters, some of the more expensive players, but also he has been playing okay. And, and, and the stats speak for themselves, Andy, for, for Danny Welbeck. Yeah. So um, he's started, I think it's four games. Obviously he was bought kind of late at the end of the window. Um, I think he was a free agent um, and yeah, he, he, he's, so he's, um, st- you know, getting up to speed a bit later than some of the other players. So he's only started the last four. Um, but in those in those four starts, Brighton have scored four goals and he's been involved in three of them, a goal and two assists. Um, granted, one of those assists was a potentially dubious penalty, but still, um, he... he the point is he's involved in 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 what in what Brighton are doing. They're they're a good they're a side who've had good underlying numbers, um, particularly at the back, but but not bad going forward as well this season, creating chances. So uh, with 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 obviously there were some question marks over Mopai, um uh, and and his hamstring, um, but it you know it seems like even if Mopai does play, Welbeck's going to start, and that has happened in in a, in you know in in lineup so far for Brighton this season. So. Well, I think there's there aren't necessarily question marks over him him starting. Even if there were, he's only five point five million. So, uh, you know, you wouldn't necessarily be too worried if he came off the bench at that price. But even better, given that it looks like he's likely to start, and he has returned in each of the last three game weeks. So, those three involvements have have come. You know, it's fairly sort of consistent. It's what been one in each week. So, uh, lots of lots of um, useful things for to point towards Welbeck there. Yeah, I think I think I think he's he's an interesting case. You know, obviously you've you've referenced Mapai. Um, obviously, Welbeck did start alongside Mapai, but a, a similar case to to Che Adams earlier in the season when we spoke about him. You know, hit, uh, Mapai not being available perhaps just increases Brighton's reliance on Welbeck for returns. And we saw a similar thing with Che Adams when Danny Ings got injured. Um, so you know, while they did play together, and while I would still expect Welbeck to start, I think. Um, you know, Mapai's absence means that means that Bryson should be relying on 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 him more. Um, you know, he's he's likely to be sort of the figurehead. I know I know they might bring in Aaron Connolly, but he doesn't seem to have quite the um, you know quite a sort of lethal streak in front of goal that that, that perhaps one of the, one of the other sort of out and out strikers does. So so yeah, I think he's he's a really interesting option and you know, owned by. I mean, I guess by sheer virtue of this uh, of this se- segment, we're going to sort of highlight some differentials. Callum Wilson has a decent ownership, but still not massive. But Welbeck's owned by about one percent of FPL managers, so he could be a decent differential for for you in in your mini leagues. And I guess started at a roughly similar price at the start of the season. The Bamford started at, and we know you know how Bamford how Bamford's done, much to our chagrin, I think this year. Um, but 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 Welbeck's returns over. Uh, the five games that he's featured in this year have, have have been pretty good, you know, averaging about four points a game. So it's not too bad. Um, we'll move on then to a few midfielders um, that we're also kind of describing as enablers, as Andy said. You know, if you're trying to get KDB or Salah or um, one of the other sort of premium midfielders who are who are getting points galore this year into your team, then maybe you'll need a cheap one as well to supplement those. Um, and we think that there's some value in a few of them. Um, we'll start with Pascal Gross because I think he's a guy that we've spoken about before but equally i wasn't quite able to 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 lap up the praise for tipping him up in the last review show because he was still playing but but yeah i think i think at uh, 5.8 uh, roughly i think at the moment um he's a guy you know with um you know on on brighton's penalties uh with, with, in mapai's absence and i i expect him to keep them even if mapai was to come back um, especially after mapai missed the last few um you know we know that he's a creative player as well so i think he's pretty good value at the moment um we've also mentioned netto and podence we didn't sort of dismiss them um after our, after them being on our radar last week but they do have some tough fixtures coming up andy so i don't know if you've got anything to add on on either of those three i mean i guess um on gross and this this point counts for welbeck as well actually i should have mentioned it there um brighton have got good fixtures coming up at least in terms of who they're facing um from an attacking point of view they're they're facing um it's leicester fulham and sheffield united their next three fixtures brighton and all all three of those teams are in the top seven um worst for expected goals conceded so I think you'd have expected that of Fulham and Sheffield United but perhaps not Leicester um, and so I thought that was interesting you know like you said each of these three fixtures against um, teams who've conceded quite a few um, 
yeah, a few chances. Obviously, we've been saying all season about hashtag always target Fulham, and they started to look a little bit better against City, particularly in that second half last week. But but still, you know, over the course of the whole season, um, all three of those next fixtures for Brighton look like ones they could well um, create create chances and score goals in. So so that's promising for both Welbeck and and Gross. Um, on on the Wolves players, I think. <sighs> They have got tough fixtures. There's there's no kind of getting away from that. Um, you were saying about, uh, well, I think, did you say, was it Pedence you sort of played through the middle a bit more? Yeah, yeah I think I think he was the guy. And, and also, I guess, on their tough fixtures, just because you know, they're not much, I wouldn't say they're much worse than Newcastle's, and we've tipped up Callum Wilson. I guess, you know, it, they're a bit more spread out, whereas Newcastle's are like three good ones and then three pretty bad ones, whereas Wolves's are a little bit, I mean, they aren't they aren't as they aren't as straightforward. They're um, you know, on on FPL's fixture difficulty ranking, their twos do look a little bit more difficult than say Newcastle's twos. But at the same time, they don't look too bad. But but yeah, Wolves have struggled for goals all year. So 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 you know, maybe maybe it's not amazing. But yeah, anyway, to go back to your original point, yes, opponents look like the guy that was going through the middle. Yeah, it's tricky because with that fixture difficulty thing, it's kind of quite a, a, a blunt. It's it, it, it's useful as like an overview, but it's quite a crude measure, isn't it? And like, yeah, two of those those two twos are Bright, uh, Brighton away and Burnley away, which are traditionally never, you know, Burnley away is never traditionally a great place to try and go and score goals. And Brighton, obviously, we've mentioned lots of times, um, very very few chances they've conceded, particularly at home this season. I think I think I, if I remember this rightly, they're actually the best, even better than Chelsea and City at home. If you just if you just look at home fixtures in terms of expected goals conceded, so yeah, that that isn't necessarily particularly straightforward, and a lot less straightforward than like you say, Newcastle have got West Brom and Fulham, um, so it, it's a different kind of kettle of fish there. Um, it's a tricky one. They are they are sort of cheaper, and they, they both have still kind of we mentioned their underlying numbers last time, but what, given that there's like a whole sort of raft, we've mentioned sort of gross there at a similar price and you're going to go on to sort of one more, it, it, it that makes it harder. It's a shame really, because I think it'd be interesting. I can, I can imagine Neto and Pedence, one of the two, at least perhaps, you know, getting a few returns over this festive period and, and it's going to feel sort of frustrating if you don't get him in. But then the, 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 the fixtures there are sort of speaking so hard against them. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, I, I mean, I guess part of the conundrum with Neto and Pedence is which one you go with. I mean, I think even when Pedence has been through the middle, Neto's looked a bit more dangerous this year. So it's like, well, you know, does it really matter that Pedence is through the middle? Um, and similarly, I could quite easily see see Wolves losing some of these games 3-1, but you know, Pedence or Neto will get the one. And that's great, but I guess while they're, if they score but Wolves end up ultimately losing. I guess they're less likely to get bonus points, so maybe they're not as great a prospect. But I think it's still interesting to keep a bit of an eye on them, um, and I would be interested to see what their lineup is against Villa. I mean, as we've seen from Villa this year, you know they've done better when teams have come at them. Um, it'll be, I, th- I, th- I think this could be quite an interesting match-up match um, this weekend. It, it definitely has the, the potential to be you know, a really boring nil-nil or a really entertaining kind of three-all. And, and yeah, I just wouldn't know kind of which way to, which, which side of the fence to sit on. Um, well, just, I them. mean, just, just quickly on, on that, on the, on the numbers, because I just managed to get them up here in front of me. Like you said, you say, but Pedence looks like he's playing through the middle more, but then Neto has had, has had the better underlying numbers under the, under the last three game weeks. Um, he's had better expected goals and uh, better expected assists um, than, than Pedence. So, that would be kind of leaning towards Neto. The, the the stats would be saying look Neto, but yeah, yeah, I agree. I th- I, th- I think I think you know, we were both probably leaning more towards Neto, and then we saw opponents play up front or through the middle, I guess, against Liverpool. Now, obviously, they're not going to create loads of chances against Liverpool, but maybe they would against a Villa or against a Burnley or against a Brighton. So I think it will be interesting to see how that happens. But, I mean, having said that. Raul Jimenez, you know, we we coined him at the start of the season the postman, but he hasn't had the greatest season so far. Um, so playing through the middle for Wolves maybe isn't as important or um, you know, as as likely to return perhaps in, in, in uh, as they have been in seasons gone by. But um, you know, Neto's kind of playing that Diego Jota role for Wolves, which is um, you know, which is interesting considering what sort of season he's having now at Liverpool. Um, I guess we better move on then to to our final kind of player on the radar, and this seems to be a guy that's being tipped up quite a lot by the uh, the FPL community, the FPL Cognoscenti on Twitter, um, in Rafinha. Um, I'll let Andy talk about, a little bit more about Rafinha, but I did have a, a quick conversation with with one of my colleagues who is a big Leeds fan today, and 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 she is 
you know, always skeptical about about Leeds players, but does seem to have, um, you know, a bit of a, a bit of an affinity for Rafinha. It seems to be quite excited by him, especially compared to some of their other players that they spent a lot of money on. Um, and uh, you know, without uh, just just purely using anecdotal evidence to describe him. Um, as someone that is a, a massively cynical Leeds fan and has only ever really started supporting them since they were in League One and has seen them rise up, um, it doesn't really remember the glory days of when they've had you know, top quality players. I think for, for her to be quite excited about a player seems like high praise indeed, but, but Andy's probably got some more numbers to back back some of that up well I, I do have some numbers to, to back that up but before I get onto that I guess I should probably jump on the back of what you've said there and uh what yeah, where uh, you know Chris and I are, are very well planned when it comes to these podcasts one thing we haven't discussed is that I did a very similar thing to him uh, before before uh, recording this I spoke to a, a lead supporting friend of mine and he said the exact same thing actually he was he's usually fairly balanced on on um on you know analyzing his team i'd say which is unusual perhaps for a leeds fan but um he uh he 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 was he's excited he he said he really likes him um that that, that those are exact his exact words i i, I really like him um as a, as a as an asset um he th- he thinks that the way leeds attack really suits him um sort of using the width because he cut he sort of plays in the attacking positions um out wide and then cuts in from the right on his on his left foot so um, he's very positive about him and thinks he should have had more returns than he has already just for for um, their you know inability to finish in front of goal when when, when Rafinha has been setting up assists. Um, there's a lot of other things in in his favour as well as obviously the um, the eulogies being paid to him by by Leeds fans. There, uh, he, Leeds have got sort of decent up, upcoming fixtures in these next few. Um, game weeks they have let me just check it's west ham newcastle man united burnley west brom their next five so so that's not bad they're sort of what you know on on that fixture difficulty thing i think they're joint second um uh, over the next five six game weeks um so and i think higher than that on if you just look at the next five so so yeah fairly decent upcoming um, run of fixtures there over the festive period, which is useful as well when you've got a bit of rotation in there to, to sort of have that sort of slightly lighter lighter load perhaps. Um, and, and to add to that, and this was this was surprising, I thought for me. So, so Rafinha, um, I don't know whether he was brought in late or late in the window or whether he was injured or something, but he, he, he wasn't starting as many games um, earlier in the season. And he seems to be like a fixture in the team now because he started each of the last three. And um, a lot of people will have seen hilarious kind of just Bielsa uh, was asked by a journalist in a press conference this week um, if he'd keep West Ham guessing about his team and he said no in fact I'll tell you what it is now if you want and he listed his first 11 for this weekend in uh, for this Friday in in that press conference so it's already been revealed and apparently for those who've watched Leeds and Bielsa before apparently he does this every now and again it's quite commonplace for him so Rafinha is in that starting 11 he will start again um, <clears throat> and since game week nine uh, when he he first uh, was was has started for Leeds. Um, no team has created more expected goals in open play than Leeds. So even your Chelsea's and your Man City's, no one has created more more XG than Leeds, which I thought was was surprising and interesting. I and mean, obviously we've spoken about how Leeds have been very creative this year, but to be kind of the most in those last three game weeks since Rafinha's been starting, I thought that that was interesting. And then. To add to that, Rafinha himself has been has had the highest expected goal involvement. So that's expected goals and expected assists added together of any Leeds midfielder, so uh, or defender for that matter. In fact, the only player with more is um, Bamford, and that's all expected goals, obviously, rather than there's no assists kind of involved in that. So so yeah, um, he he, you know, if Leeds are the most creative team, essentially, we're saying there since Rafinha started, and he's the most creative player in that team at 5.4 million for a defender that 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 would be why i guess a lot of people are kind of considering him this week yeah absolutely i think i think you know we i think we earlier in the season we spoke about um jack harrison as maybe a guy that we might think about putting putting on the radar but um you know leads generally other than bamford have kind of shared the points around this year um but it does seem rafinha is kind of coming if he's the cream, the cream is rising to the top a little bit um, in in terms of sort of his expected goal involvement. So so yeah, he does seem to be a guy that you know, maybe maybe to get on. And I think another thing that I'd add, you know, again, you know, as Andy's alluded to, some of Marcelo Bielsa's quirks, uh, like naming his team in a press conference, um, are, are, are pretty well known. But another one of his quirks is not rotating hugely. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't shock me one bit 
if 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 he doesn't rotate hugely over the Christmas period, uh, he, he doesn't have a reputation for really tinkering tinkering with his team. Um, you know, notoriously, I think Leeds have a have a player that that that's, um he broke the record for the most substitute appearances for an outfield player without ever getting on because he just won't put him on if he doesn't see the need to, and he won't rotate his team if he doesn't see the need to. Um, so Leeds might be an interesting team to get on actually over the Christmas period, and Rafinha could be could be could be quite um quite heavily involved because you know, chances are he's going to start you would think at least five of, of the six games going forward, um, injury and suspension permitting. Um, we have uh, wanged on quite a lot during our players on the radar section, but um, you know we're never going to make these podcasts short, so, so we might as well c- carry on. But in the meantime, we'll have a little break before we come back and swim against the tide. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back. So maybe we will uh, get a few seconds back on this podcast by having a fairly short swimming against the tide. I guess we've struggled a little bit this week to to to, to think of think of one because uh, you know most of the uh, most of the trans- top transfers in and top transfers out. I think we broadly agree with, but there is one that perhaps we don't massively, and that is uh, a player that we've mentioned on the pod quite a lot this year in Diego Jota. He is the third most transferred out player in FPL this weekend um he has a pretty good fixture this weekend Andy so do you think this is a bit of an overreaction to him not starting last weekend well yeah I think you're right here in that we can probably gain a, gain a bit of time back hopefully we can keep this explanation pretty short but yeah to me it seems like a massive overreaction obviously he didn't start in the last game week but there's been you know all all of that Liverpool front three or four if you want to include Jota as you know in, in that group of four they've all had rests over these last few game weeks so to that you know point he's not really any different to, to any of the others he, it was just his turn last week um to to rest and um yeah we don't we can't know he he may well be the one that rests again this week in which case maybe you don't want him in your team but i don't think we can really know that um he he he, he as far as i can see has as good a chances as the others of, of of playing this game week and it's fulham so you know given that there's uncertainty why i just don't see why this would be the week that you get get um, you kind of get rid of him. I think come, we've spoken about in in this pod, you know, over the festive period, there, there's likely to be a ro- rotation um, and some people will have their minutes managed more than others. So you, we could get into a, bait, a debate about whether which camp shot is in. Does it make it more likely he's going to play because there's going to be more rotation or are you more worried that he's lower down the pecking order and therefore might not play as much as some of the others? I mean, I don't know. I think that, like I say, you could make arguments either way, but whichever side of that fence you fell on, my thinking here would be this week it's Fulham and it appears as though he has as much chance of playing as, as the, any of those other of, of the front three. So so why get rid of him this week, even if, you, if you're planning to do it longer term or over the Christmas period? Yeah, I think I think that's actually a really important point that that you've made without sounding like a politician. Um, I think I think yeah, that was that was something that that, that that I was thinking of. I think that you know Jurgen Klopp has played Diego Jota recently consistently in both the Champions League and the league. Like he clearly believes that he has um, you know, has the legs for it, has the stamina to play in the week and and at the weekend, and and one rest. In one, you know, one league fixture doesn't doesn't really mean very much, and 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 yeah, and you know, even even if, um, you know, Liverpool's front three are to be rested over the um over the festive kind of period, Jota's going to be the key beneficiary, and if he ends up, you know, replacing Salah when he's rested, and replacing Mane when he's rested, and replacing Firmino when he's rested, plus also, you know, getting a start when you know, maybe Klopp plays all all four like he has been known to. Um, I think that he's going to be going to be a fairly decent fixture, and then you know, just adding on to that, we've always said that that, that Jota is going to be a threat off the bench no matter what. So, so yeah, I think um, him being the third most transferred 
out this week is, is a little bit of an overreaction. I think the fact that he's so far ahead of Minamino in, in kind of Liverpool's pecking order um, really does sort of play into, you know, well, I, I, I think I think it makes make anyone kind of trying to get rid of him, especially if they got on, on him early for his for a cheaper price. I think it's a little bit perhaps short sighted. I guess there is maybe an argument that that, that you know that you are going for one of the players that we featured on our radar to make yourself a million pounds uh, to spend elsewhere. But but you know even then, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's really worth it. I think Jota's upside is probably way better than most of our players on our on the radar t- today, Andy. Oh yeah, I, th- I think I think so. Yeah, quite quite probably. And and like even if you are trying to use that money elsewhere again, like well, who's it going to? I mean, maybe Kane or, or Son perhaps. But but I mean, if it, it can't be KDB because you know they've got. Uh, not that I obviously, I'm sure you know how I feel about United, particularly after this week. But uh, you know, is KDB away at United the the fixture you're going to move off Jota towards KDB for? Probably not. So. Yeah, it just it just seems like seems like an odd one. I think it's even more odd when you take into account that the most transferred out player is Ziyech, right? And he's obviously injured. So uh, injuries aside, he Jota is the second most transferred out, uh, like so it's the second most transferred out fit player, which just seems completely nuts to me. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't understand that thinking. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, good, good spin there. Good spin there. We'll make a politician of you yet. Yeah. Uh, let's move on then to to quickly run through a few captaincy picks, and I think these can be also fairly spelt this week because uh, you know a lot of the uh, a lot of the big sides, the traditional top six, kind of play each other. Um, so the first one we're going to start with is is Timo Werner uh, at Everton. I guess we wouldn't necessarily be massively reliant on Timo Werner, but we're starting to think about. Um, you know, always hash, hashtag rather hashtag always target Everton. Yeah, so we sort of briefly cheekily mentioned this. I think it was in the la- in the last episode, and yeah, they um they they, they haven't obviously looked great, and and both you know my my dad's an Everton fan and your flatmate's an Everton fan, so although neither of us support them, we we both have a kind of. I wouldn't say soft spot, but in some ways a soft spot because we want our our loved ones to do well uh, and feel happy, but it, but equally get, kind of get frustrated listening to them complain about them a bit as well. So yeah, I just want an easy life. <laughs> yeah, happy wife, happy life. That's what they say, Chris, isn't it? So yeah, uh, it, you know, we 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 it, it it sticks in our mind when they do badly. Basically, I guess is the point I'm making. And however, the the numbers um the numbers also back that up. So you know the I mentioned about Callum Wilson and the fixtures Newcastle have with West Brom, Leeds and Fulham being the three worst um, teams to expect to go conceded. Well, Everton are fourth over the course of the whole season. And I think that's been worse over the last kind of the back half of the game week so far as well. I'm sure they'd be higher than that if I looked at just, say, the last six or seven game weeks. So, yeah, um, they really have not been great at the back Everton, conceding a lot of chances and... Um, you know, hence to, to be honest, not even that far behind Fulham now, and that's why we're um we 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 sort of thinking always, always target Everton as much as they've obviously got a goal in them going forward, they, they've 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 conceded plenty as well. So so Werner who who had I can't remember how much it was getting on for like two two xg or something just in last week alone. Chelsea obviously creating a lot of chances, having a lot of attacking players. Um, he looks like a good, uh, you know, if if he gets anywhere near the chances this week, you could be getting mega hauls um, by captaining him. Yeah, I guess, I guess as much as um, as much as this pick is about Everton, I guess we need to think a little bit about Chelsea. And you know, Werner's been a little bit frustrating for fantasy owners this year, but 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 you know, Chelsea assets are fairly evenly spread around. You know, their goals seem to come from all over the pitch. You know, we've been tipping up. Uh, defenders for for not only assists but goals recently as well. So I know you've also mentioned uh, Olivier Giroud. I mean he's owned by so few fantasy managers. I think it's you know about one percent, only marginally more than Danny Welbeck. But you know, if he starts, he could abs you know could absolutely haul. And he's shown this year that that when he does play. He's going to score goals. I think the question mark is that start, isn't it? Um, I didn't actually take a look at Chelsea's team midweek, but I'm fairly sure they just started an almost completely different eleven entirely, or very close to it, sort of, didn't they? And um, so I don't know, but you'd think the form Giroud's been in. Um, it, it looked like the fact he started last week was 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 Lampard saying he's kind of at the moment my number one striker, and so you'd think Giroud gets a start here. You can't be completely sure because Abraham hasn't really done a lot wrong either, but Giroud's just been so good he's forced his way into the starting eleven, and so 
maybe that takes away from Werner a bit because Werner's not going to play through the middle if that's the case. Um, and therefore, you know, you've got people thinking, well, if you're tipping up Werner, why not Giroud for captain this week? I am surprised that he's that low owned, actually. I mean, I don't own him, so I suppose I can't be too surprised. And um, uh, maybe, maybe I should. But I, th- I think if you do, if you are one of those very few that do, or you're thinking about getting him in this week, um, yeah, sure, surely you've got to be considering for the armband. Yeah, I mean, super interesting. You know, not to spend too much time on Chelsea, but but Abraham started in in, in midweek. Giroud come off the bench for the last ten minutes. Um, you know, I think I think that sort of the main first teamer that started in inverted commas would be Kai Havertz, who's a guy at the start of the season that we were really hot on. We thought it was going to have a you know pretty good season, um, but it does seem to be really falling down the Chelsea packing order quite quite quickly um you know obviously has had uh sort of covid and injury issues but but still you know i think we'd have expected a bit more from him i'm pretty sure he started the season in both of our fpl teams maybe that's one of the reasons why we're uh we're so far so far adrift um let's uh let's move on uh and i think like some of the more obvious picks perhaps this week um are tottenham players and liverpool players so let's quickly run through son and kane uh, at crystal palace and then Salah and Mane at Fulham. I guess maybe Son and Kane are, are, are not worse picks, but come slightly more tentatively just because Palace have a tendency sometimes to, to really shut up shop. Um, arguably, um, you know, a bit of a bogey team for some of the top sides in the league. Um, and uh, and you know, are coming off a, a 5-1 victory, albeit against West Brom. So, so maybe Son and Kane won't quite have it all, all their own way there. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, but I suppose even if you think that Crystal Palace, I don't mean, I'm not going to take too much out of them scoring five. I mean, against West Brom, when Ben Teke scores two, he's shown to be inconsistent, hasn't he, enough now. Um, but even if you even if you do, you know, hold some stock in that, that's, that doesn't necessarily stop Son and Kane scoring goals going forward either, does it? So if, if Tottenham do concede. So, yeah, I think obviously the form they're in, if you've got either of them, again, like I said, you're, you're, you're bound to be thinking of them. Of, of, Crystal Palace aren't the most secure side at the back. It's It's got to be a great option. I mean, Son and Kane have shown they can score against the best of teams as well this season. There a lot of people throwing around the phrase fixture-proof. So, yeah, they're almost always going to be captain options as long as this form continues. Interesting. And then and then Salah and Mane, I mean, I guess they're, they're kind of in the hashtag always target Fulham kind of, uh, you know, kind of, yeah, belt, I guess. Um you know, Fulham had a you know weren't too bad defensively as you've already mentioned against against Man City. Um, you know, Liverpool come with a similar kind of attacking prowess, although a very different uh, system going forward. Um, I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm alone in thinking that that, that Salah or Mane could absolutely haul this weekend against Fulham. So I guess if you've got one of them, you captain them. If you have both of them, probably Salah on because pe- he's on penalties. Simple yeah. as that. It's like we've said plenty of times before, I'd say the only other caveat is that worry about who is going to start. And you've got the, if you captain them, you've got that annoying thing that it's likely that, say, Salah doesn't start, he probably comes off the bench. Same for Mane, if he doesn't start, he probably comes off the bench. And when you've got him as captain, that means he gets you one point. I mean, obviously, they could also score off the bench, but, you know, they're giving themselves a lot less time. And if they do come on for 20 minutes, get one point, get which captain doubles up to two, that's unbelievably frustrating. So... Yeah, I can I can see why you'd maybe um, av- avoid them as well, but then it's it's Fulham, so it's so tempting. And yeah, if if Salah goes and scores a hat trick and you haven't captained him, you're going to be furious with yourself, aren't you? So yeah, I think so. I think I think I think I think it is going to be incredibly tempting. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I think Salah started in in midweek, whereas Mane only come on for like the sort of bit of a cameo at the end. So. Maybe we can read something into that, but Salah has tended to start a lot of European games as well, and has still been, you know, fairly consistent at the weekend. So, so yeah, maybe can't read too much into that. I'm sure there'll be many FPL managers who are very, very angry if Salah doesn't start come the weekend. Um, and then Andy, you picked out maybe a bit of an outside pick, but but this, this is a guy that we've already spoken about uh, on the radar. Yeah, I mean, I I snuck this one on um, when you weren't looking, I guess, but I just think look. Someone, I once heard a piece of advice, can't remember who, who I heard it off, but about transfers and particularly in the situation I'm in where I'm considering rolling my free transfer, where they said, if you're thinking about making a transfer in any given week, it, one thing to consider whether, you, whether it's worthwhile doing or not is, are you thinking about captaining that player? Because if they're so good that 
you're thinking about captaining them, then yeah, you should probably be making that transfer. If they're not, then maybe why, if, if they're kind of really not, if you're not that confident they're going to add to your team, then why do the transfer? I guess that's so, so my thinking here is, well, the reason Wilson, I said it in players on the radar, he absolutely stood out to me as if I was going to bring anyone in this week, it'd probably be him. So if I'm thinking like that, it's because I'm thinking he's the most like one of the most likely players to get a return, and then therefore that surely that has to be someone that's in your captain thinking. Yeah, I think I, I think that makes sense. I guess there are many caveats to that kind of thinking, such as if you have an injury, but without kind of really stating the obvious. I guess you know also you might be bringing looking to bring a defensive player in, um, you know, because of their assist and clean sheet potential, which you might not want to captain. But but yeah, I, I think Wilson's a, a a fair choice this week. Yeah, you know, as 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 likely I guess as it is that. That, that Newcastle will win and you know 2-0 and Callum Wilson scores both you can see West Brom giving them a bit of a game so it is a bit of a toss up for me and 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 yeah I think um I think I'm more likely to stick with one of the more um regular captain options I think but 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 yeah you know Wilson could be a really interesting differential captain pick this week for for those willing to to sort of roll the dice um let's round off then with uh, with the game we like to call who the heck is stat for those that don't know. Um, this is a game where every week Andy and I pick a player and we have alternating weeks and then we have five guesses to guess who the player is. This player has to be owned by at least 5% of FPL managers. If we guess the player after the first clue, we get five points. After the second clue, we get four points and so on and so forth. And then once we've made our first pick, we get the opportunity whether to stick or twist. So, for example, if I've picked... I don't want to say say something now. It was Diego Jota last week. So if I pick Diego Jota after the first clue, and and then obviously Andy gives me something that makes me think, oh, that's definitely not Diego Jota, then I will obviously twist. But if if it could still be him, it might be worth me sticking because I'll only get the points based on my the first time I picked that player. That's a very convoluted way of explaining this game, Andy. Yeah, well, we did say we'd try and have a think about a more svelte way of explaining it. But look, we've we've rambled on too much in this, so let's just crack on. I need a script. I need a script. Anyway, um, this week it is Andy picking a player for me to guess. We are level pegging at 11 all. Um, going into the festive period, lots of runs of games. We're going to have to actually think about how you know how we're going to do this when we're merging our preview and preview and review shows. But you know, that's that's for another conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll let you crack on. Yeah, well, it's worth saying as well that it's eleven all plus you have this game in hand, so I've had one more go than you. So, so this is a this is a big a big one really to just sort of truly determine where what the scores are. Um, and also, yeah, we've we've had a lot of good feedback actually about this about this segment. So, yeah, no one cares what we've actually got to say about FPL. Let's just get to the game. Um, so, I think we're going to have to include it if we if we merge a review and preview show at any point. But anyway, yeah, let let's go. So, clue number one for this week is. Uh, that th- it is this player's fifth season in FPL and they've improved their points return in each one. Mm, okay. Uh, I mean, that gives me basically nothing. Um, fifth season in FPL. And, I mean, because we've spoken about him on this pod, I am going to go with... Bailey rings a bell from when he would have got promoted with Bournemouth, so I'm going to go with Callum Wilson. Okay. But I guess... Does, sorry, just to clarify... Has he already improved that this year? Improved on his tally in the previous years? No, no, no. no. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Callum Wilson. Okay, okay. Uh, clue number two. Despite having played just 70% of possible minutes this season, this player is fourth in bonus points for their club. Uh, 70% of possible minutes. Mm, okay. Um, most teams have played 11, right? But then some teams could have played 10. So that would mean he's played seven games. That I mean, if Andy's going to do easy maths, and that leans me towards Villa, Burnley, United, or City players, seventy um, percent. I'm I'm going to I'm going to twist. I'm going to twist, and I'm going to go with Kevin De Bruyne. Okay, some sharp guessing this week. I like this. That I'm sure the listeners do too. Clue number three. This player is currently the eighth highest owned in his position overall, but he's not the highest owned in his position at his club. Okay, that is interesting. That would make me lean out of De Bruyne. Sorry, what did you say? So he's the eighth highest owned in his position. 
overall. Overall, but isn't the eighth. But, but isn't he's, the not, owned at his club. he's not the highest owned in his position at his club. Mm. And he's fourth in bonus points at his club. His, but it's his fifth FPL season. Um, maybe that's not. A, I'm trying to think of what City player that could possibly be. Um. I mean, f- f- five FPL seasons feels a bit much for Phil Foden, but then I could see him being eligible for all other of all of the other kind of clues there. Um, can't think of any other City midfielders. I mean, it's not going to be. I doubt it's going to be a striker. Uh, hmm. I wonder if it's. I wonder if it is a United player. I wonder if it's like Marcus Rashford or someone like that. I need to remember. Try and remember these clues that you've gone through so far. So, so it's his fifth FPL season. He's been, which I guess Rashford. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, he's the eighth highest. He's, he's got the fourth most bonus points for his club. Yeah, I can see that. He's got he's the eighth highest owned in his position in the game, but isn't the highest owned at his club, which would make sense because it would be, would be Bruno. I'm just banking on him still being listed as a midfielder. I think he is listed as a midfielder. Oh, do I twist? I'm going to twist anyway. It's Foden or Rashford. I'm going to go with Rashford. Okay. Clue number four. Right, so this this again, you, you this sounds similar to some of the other clues, but it's different. So, you, so listen to it carefully. Despite being the fourth highest owned player across any position at his club, he doesn't even make the first eleven in terms of value. Can you read that again. So, despite being the fourth highest owned player across any position at his club, so fourth highest so he's owned player the fourth at his club. Fourth highest owned player at his club. He doesn't even make the first 11 in terms of value. So I guess that's a convoluted way of saying he's owned by a fairly high amount of people. Mm. However, he hasn't really returned many points for his cost. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'm wondering if I'm massively going down the... down the wrong... wrong kind of rabbit hole here thinking United and City players why am I thinking United City players I'm thinking United and City players because he's played seven of the ten games I feel like you would have just done very easy math to get that seven well look well look yeah obviously you're making an assumption there 70 percent is 70 percent isn't it and it's not uh you know I've I've rounded there as well so I've you know I didn't say seven out of ten games no, I've said seven seventy percent of possible minutes so minutes can also be spread oh minutes can't oh, they you've done math I should have known the math teacher would have done math um okay I mean yeah uh mm starting to starting to doubt myself now but I think I might just have to stick stick with it will Rashford have played 7 or 10 games probably not probably shouldn't have gone with him in the first place if that's the case um hmm yeah I don't know I don't know so I'm going to stick but I'm pretty confident it's not right. It's not right. Okay. So I wonder if this final clue will enlighten you. I hope it does. It should do. Um, So the final clue is this player is currently the joint most expensive player in their position. Who the heck is that? Okay. So that should narrow it down quite significantly. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Um, Oh, joint most expensive player in their position. Okay, in the, in the whole game. Wow. Okay. Um, pff, 
I'm trying to think who would be the most expensive player by position. By position, I guess. Are we? I'm. Am I looking at? I feel like I'm looking at a goalkeeper now. Why do I think I'm looking at a goalkeeper? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's easier for me because I've got all the clues in front of me, right? So, but I'd say you want to think about all the clues together as well, still. So, yeah. for, for example, perhaps this one where he's currently the eighth highest owned player in his position overall, but not the highest owned in his position at his club. Yeah. That's mad. Um, I mean, there are only four players in the game who are the most expensive in their position, right? So. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, of course. Wait, well, I mean, technically, there's five if he's the most joint. If he's the well, joint okay, most, yes, he's he's joint currently. There could, there could be six or seven, but yeah. Um, so I guess go down and think who's the most expensive keeper, who's the most played, expensive. And he only played, what, seven, seven? Well, no, he's played 70% of minutes. Mm hmm. Oh, Okay, well, so the most expensive players in the game are I don't know I don't know about goalkeeper, but I'm assuming for defenders it's going to be Trent, and he's joint with I would have said he's on his own. For strikers, I'm guessing it's Kane, and again I would have said he was on his own. Um, and then for midfielders, I would have said it's KDB, and I would have assumed he's on his own. But one of them. I think, you're, I think you're wrong on lots of counts there. Really? Oh, am I? KDB is not the most expensive midfielder. I don't oh no! Think. Of course, of course, it'll be it'll be it'll be Salah, won't it? Of course. Um. But I, yeah, I would have assumed he's on his own. I think he started the same the season with Mane, but I would assume Salah's had price rises and maybe Mane hasn't. So, uh, hmm. So maybe I need to. I mean, I don't think it's Mane, although maybe 70% of minutes would make sense. Um, Trent, who else? Maybe, maybe, maybe Robbo is the same price as him. Uh, I mean, Trent might not, might not have played those minutes. Do you know what? Okay, let's go with Trent Alexander-Arnold. So you're twisting? I'm going to twist. I'm going with Trent. You've managed to get yourself one point and some dignity. Well done. Wow. It is Trent Alexander-Arnold, yes. So it's his fifth season. Um, cause I, so may, maybe there could have... Well, there definitely could have been easier clues. But, you know, he broke 200 points last season. But I thought if you at any point work out it's a defender and I've said that, you're going to get Trent straight away. So I couldn't really... Also, he's had tons of assists and I started writing a clue for that. But again, I was like, if you work out it's a defender that's it done so had to try and yeah disclude that if that's a word but um yeah he's missed a couple of games through injury and stuff this season he ends up get, doing well on the I thought this might help actually this was the, in the second clue but he ends up doing well on the bonus point thing even when he doesn't play that much because of the amount of crosses and stuff he puts in so trying to like lead you towards it. he's like a quite creative player um yeah, obviously that there's someone more highly owned um, in his position at at, the, at his club. That's that's obviously Robertson. Um, and yeah, they they started the season so Trent was seven point five and Robbo was seven, but they've moved towards it. So Robbo's had two price rises and Trent's had three price drops. So they're both seven point two at at the moment. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fair play. Fair play. Well, I'm glad I got there in the end, but yeah, didn't I'll take a take a bit of. A lot of thinking and and yeah i was definitely just definitely one of them classic ones where i'm down a rabbit hole and you're because of the way we now play the game you're kind of scared to come out of that rabbit hole in case in, in case it ends up sort of biting you on the backside later on but um but yeah shouldn't have been down that anyway i think i was also just sort of insulting your maths and assuming that you had done some really easy calculations um when in fact obviously you used to teach a level maths so um, well, I think not just insulting my maths, you're actually assuming that they've played every minute, even if it was seven out of 10 games, you were assuming they played every minute, right? And not really taking into account that could have been spread out a bit. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think, I think, I think you said, um, you know, they've played 70% of minutes. I think I heard they've played seven out of 10 games. 
So <laughs> okay, yeah, that's you know we can we can blame that on whatever. We can blame it being a, you know late in the week. We can blame it on a couple of gins I had before we started recording the podcast. We can blame it on on a multitude of sins. Um, but yeah, I definitely didn't hear what you said, and that's my fault. But you know, never mind. We will we will crack on. I mean, we're nearly hitting hitting an hour, Andy. So I guess um, we should probably say say goodbye. Um, but I think there's you know a, a, a fair few things um, for our listeners to maybe discuss with us this weekend. So if they would like to do so, how can they get in touch with us? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at fpl underscore lounge. Amazing. And uh, I, I, I was listening to another podcast this uh, this week while I was out on a run. I did a 10K yesterday trying to you know, get get myself in a bit of shape before eating all, all that Christmas turkey. I mean, Andy, obviously from previous pods, only eats Christmas chicken, which is incredibly strange. Um, but 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 they were they were harrowing home the point that we that we should be um, you know, encouraging all of our listeners to to rate and review uh, all all of our stuff wherever you get your podcast. So on Spotify, please do uh, review, send us a message. Likewise on on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcast from, uh, is incredibly helpful for the hashtag algorithm. Um, Andy and I are going to get our heads together and we're going to decide what sort of Christmas podcast schedule we've got coming up. But the next time you will hear from us, we'll definitely be reviewing game week 12, but we might have to incorporate that with a game week 13 preview. Um, But either way, you will hopefully be hearing from us next week. But other than that, Andy, until then. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. (laughs) 